Hey, we want to invite you to invite somebody to the movies, but again, at the end of this message today, I'm going to have these invitations sitting right up here, and I'm going to invite you to come forward and grab an invitation and practice this thing we're calling in this series, The Invitational Life. Now, today I'm going to dive into a scripture that, man, I have, it's been living in my soul for the last few weeks, and I'm so excited about sharing it, kind of unveiling it with you a little bit. So I hope you have it in front of you. I want to dive right into the scripture from the book of Romans chapter 10. And I invite you to read it with me there. Romans chapter 10, we're going to talk about the how, the who, and the, and, 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 and the what of inviting somebody into this thing called the Christ life. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the scripture says, by the way, before I read the scripture, we can put it up there, before I read it, Paul is writing to people who are in Rome who are Christians, and he's wanting to remind them of who they are and what they've been put on mission to do, but more than that, He wants to remind them of what makes God's heart jump, okay? And so he writes these words. And here's here's the words, very simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, that's so simple. Why don't we all say it out loud together, full voice, all right? Ready? Let's say this scripture together. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, what's interesting about that for me is the word that grabs me and that I I just want to throw on you this morning is the word everyone, everyone. Really, Stephen? Everyone? I mean, everyone, including, you know, Georgia fans sitting in the rain about to fall, you know, and fail and all that. Yeah, everyone, including Crimson Tide fans, right? Everyone. Every Republican and every Democrat who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every socialist and every capitalist who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every gay who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every straight who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every race, every nation who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every person at your work that you can't stand who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Every person who gets on your nerves and that you just wonder, oh, Lord, don't make, don't, don't make me have to see them in heaven. Every Every person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and you got that, got that outline in front of you? I want you to fill in the first blank there. And, and here's my question that I'm going to come back to over and over and over again today. Here's the question. How wide, how big, how expansive is your everyone? How wide is your everyone? See, because I think Paul is trying to get these Romans people, these Christians in Rome, to expand their everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here's the other question that I didn't put in your outline. I, I ask you, how wide is your everyone? Maybe a different question of thinking that same way would be, or how narrow, or how small, or how thin, how quite narrow might be your everyone. For you is everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For you is that quite narrow where it's like if they look like me, if they, if they vote like me, if they talk like me, if they live like me, then yeah, they can, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Or is it quite wider? And see, what I think Paul is hitting these Romans with is he's trying to get them to expand their scope of who they're supposed to be living an invitational life to. Because, guys, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I imagine the Romans, he's writing this letter to them. They get the letter. I imagine them almost reading this. Everyone who calls on the name, and I bet they had some questions. 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can, will be saved. What does that, how do, who? Who and how? How will that work? And then look what he does. In Romans 10, verse 14 and 15, he expands on it. All right, so watch this. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? By the way, you got your pen. I'm going to get you to underline a few words for me, okay? Underline four words there. Call on the one. Call on the one. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how then can they, underline that word, how then can they believe? How then can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they, underline that word, hear without someone preaching? Underline that word, preaching. Without someone preaching to them, and I like this one, and how can they preach, how can they preach unless they are, underline that word, sent, unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What I want to get you a picture of here is what Paul is doing. I'm going to write it out for you here on this this little piece of paper. What he's doing is he's he's giving them a picture of what the invitational life looks like. And it almost goes backwards from those words I just had you underline. The invitational life, the Christ life, is a sent life. We, if you are a Christ follower, you are sent to go live the invitational life. You're not supposed to sit still and say, hey, come to me. I like to think about it like this. I live on a little lake, and um, on my little lake, uh, you can stand out on the edge of the bank, and you can cast your fishing pole, all right, all you want to. But the only fish you're going to catch are the fish that what? Come right there where you are, right? But guess what? I got a boat sitting right there, too. And if I get out in the boat, Charlie, you follow me? Charlie's a professional fisherman. Charlie, I bet you enjoy fishing on the boat more than on the bank, right? Because then you can go to where the fish are. See, I believe, here's a little metaphor for you. I believe the Christ life is not a dock life, come to me. I believe the Christ life is a boat life, get in the boat and go to where they're at. It's a sent life. Does that metaphor work with you? You getting me? If that one don't work, let me go to another one, all right? When I was a little boy, they t- my, my daddy taught me how to deer hunt, all right? It wasn't for me. I did it a few times. Uh, big waste for me. But anyway, I, I did it a few times, right? I sat in the deer stand, and I waited all day long, sometimes in the rain, for a deer to come by, all right? That, that I believe, is a, is a picture of what some people try to do in the Christ life. They just sit there, and I hope you come by. And I might talk to you if you come by, you know? Or what is a better picture of it? I, I believe a better picture would be quail hunting, right? Quail hunting I've never even done this before, but I understand what they do, right? They, they go to where the birds are. They're trying to brush up the birds. They even got dogs out there trying to brush them up so they can get the doves or the, or the quail, right? Listen, guys, what am I talking about here? The Christ life, I think what Paul is hitting on here, is a sent life. It is a go to where they're at. So here's what he does. A few words. Write these down in your, in your bulletin, if you will. Just a, kind of a follow a process here with me. He says, we are, we're sent to them, sent. Who are we sent to, by the way? Well, everyone, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. So as you are going out, it's anybody and it's everybody. What's, what's the next one there? Not, not only are we sent, what are we to do? We are to preach, right? Is that the next one? We're to preach. Preach. Stephen, I am not a preacher. What does that even mean? When we talk about preaching, we're talking about you telling your story. Whatever your story is about how you came to God and what God's done in your life. Preaching is simply this. You loving to tell people about what God's done in your world. And so we are sent 
and we are to preach, that share the story of what God's done in us, so that they will what? Write this down. Hear. So that they will hear. What are they going to hear? You know, if you really tell your story, tell your story, tell your story, you know, people are going to hear basically two things. They're going to hear what you were when you were in your old life, and they're going to hear what you are now in your new life. But more importantly, they're going to hear whose you are, right, and how God is doing a good work in your life every day. So we, we are sent to share our story so that people will hear two more words I want you to write down real quickly. So that what might happen? So that they might believe. So that they might believe in the one to whom we are going to. If Jesus did it for you, I bet Jesus can do it for me. That they might believe. And then what might happen then? That they might, write that one down, call on the name. See, that's the goal. And Paul lays it out for them that if we will go, then they might just hear when we start preaching them, and then they might just believe, and then they might just call on the name. And here's the cool thing. Now, get this. And what Paul is saying, I don't even know if you call this. Can we go back to that scripture real quickly? Verse 14, there's a, there's a part in it where he says, um, how can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one who they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? I like this line. And how can they preach unless they are sent? You see, what happens is if you and I are living the invitational life, we're sent, we're sharing our story, they just might hear, they just might believe, and they just might call on the name. And if they call on the name, guess what? The whole thing's going to start over because then they're going to be sent out, right? You get in that picture? Paul is reminding these Romans, guys, this is the heartbeat of Jesus. This is what Jesus, Jesus was a sent person, and he sent people all the time. And, and you might be sitting there going right now, Stephen, I don't know about that. Really? How do I know if I'm sent, Stephen? How do I know? Well, for Paul, it's kind of like two things, all right? If you've called in the name of the Lord and you've been saved, and if you're still breathing, you're sent, all right? Does that work? If that's who you are, you've been sent with the good news. This is the life of what it means to, to live in this invitational life. This is the nature now, here's the cool thing. Jesus was such a, a master of the invitational life. Jesus was such a, a person who understood sentness, and he understood everybody. It's not, you know, Jesus over and over again was trying to get people not to be so narrow in who could call in the name of the Lord, but he was widening out their perspective of, so that Jesus, over and over again, he would tell stories. And he would get people to understand this. And guys, that's my greatest hope for you today, that you would listen. I'm going to share a story from Jesus, and I hope that your perspective of everyone is going to actually widen out further than it is. So one time Jesus was teaching a story, and he started telling a story about a guy who had a feast. I've got it for you right there in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And Jesus tells this story. It's a parable. He says, I'm going to read the whole, whole way through. And by the way, I've bolded some lines, uh, some words. I normally don't do that in your scripture, but I just really wanted to get, to get a few key words here. Luke 14, verse 16. A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Now, I'll tell you what. Let's just pause there for a minute. You get that picture? It's a party. It's a feast. It's a banquet. And do you know what it's like to get a party ready and nobody's there yet, but you've invited people? Do you know what that's like? I mean, the food's out, right? 
and the invitations, are you ready to send out the invitations? You've got the band set up. You're excited about the parties. That's the, that's the story that Jesus is laying out. Everything is now ready. It's all ready. We're about to rock and roll on this party thing, right? And look what happens. But they all alike, those who had been invited, they all alike began to make excuses. Excuses. Now, look at, listen to their excuses. The first one said this, I just bought a field and I must go and see it, excuse me, all right? That'd almost be like maybe somebody saying, hey, I, I just bought me a Harley, I got to go, go try it out, I got to go ride it, all right? I got to go look at it, I'm not going to be able to come to your event. Look at the next one. The next guy said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. That'd be like a person saying, hey, I, I can't come, I got to work, I, I got to work, I can't go there, I got to stay at work, I can't be at your party. And look at the next one. This is a rookie mistake, all right? The next one, um, the next one says, well, I just got married, so I can't come, all right? It's like the guy is already in blaming it on his spouse, right? Man, you don't know anything yet. You, 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 you know, you get that excuse. So, so these excuses pour in for the people who won't come. Let me just run a real quick rabbit trail with you. Can I do that? I think that there are some Christ followers who used to invite and live the invitational life, and they used to share their story with anybody and everybody who would listen. But over time, I think in their mind, they don't do that anymore. They retired from that, so to speak. That used to be what they did, but they don't do that anymore. And here's why. They think that way. They think to themselves, well, I've invited everybody I know on my list, you know. I've invited the friends that I've thought of and the family that I've thought of, and and some of them have accepted my invitation, and some of them have said, you know, no, they've got other things going on. Some of them have made excuses, and some of them said, hey, I'm not interested. So, Stephen, guess what? I don't live the invitational life anymore. I went through my list, and I don't have anybody else. And to that person who thinks they've retired from the invitational life as a Christ follower, I think what Paul would say to you, and I think what Jesus would say to you is, Listen to my story because I want you to widen out your understanding of who everyone is. And there are people that I'm calling you to reach out to and to invite that that aren't on your list, that you're unaware of right now. And I'm just asking you, widen out, expand out your list of everyone. Well, when those excuses come back from the servant, well, they made this excuse, and they made, what happens then? Well, naturally, the master has a response, because guess what? The master in this whole story continues to expand the perspective of the servant over and over again about who everyone is. So what does the master say? The master, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Verse 21, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys, of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Let's just pause right there for just a minute. You see how the master's getting the expansive invitation out to anybody who will come, anybody who will come? I was reading that this past week, and, and it reminded me of a moment in my life where I, I didn't realize the influence I had. There's that word, influence. I want you to think about for a minute your influence. Did you know everybody in this room has influence? Did you know everybody in this room, somebody knows you, somebody looks up to you, somebody respects you, everybody in this room, you have influence. 
And you might be unaware of people in your life that know you, have profound respect for you, look up to you, and you haven't even thought about the influence you have over them. When I was just a young Christ follower, I remember going to school with a group of people, and then I would go to my church, and there were some of those people there, but sometimes there was a different crew at my church. And there was one guy in my church that actually went to both settings. He was in my church, and he was in my school. Now, he wasn't the coolest guy. He was kind of the quiet guy. He was the guy that really nobody paid a lot of attention to. And so what I tried to do was I tried to befriend him a lot at church, but I didn't really think about it a lot. When I got to school, I didn't really talk to him a lot. In my school setting, he was kind of one of the uncool guys, and I kind of ran with a whole different crew of people. One day, my youth pastor pulled me aside, and really, I mean, he didn't do this, but basically, he put his finger in my chest, and he had a hard, tough word for me, and he said, you know what? You call yourself a leader, and you call yourself a Christian, but the way you treat, he called him by name, the way you treat so-and-so is you only care about him when it's convenient to you. And you know what? He was dead right. He was dead on. You know what he was, he was saying to me that I gathered, and I was thinking about this week. He was saying to me, you know, if, if it's convenient to you to live the invitational life at church, why don't you live that invitational life with him when you're at school? Expand your understanding of who everyone is and live the invitational life wherever you go. Live that way wherever you go. Man, did that, 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 that moment stayed on my mind as I walked down the hallways of my high school and I thought about who I said I was and who I really was trying to become. Guys, the, the Bible says, he says, that master said, verse 21, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring them, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. How wide is your everyone, right? And then, and then he comes back, the servant comes back, and he says, the master, um, the master, uh, uh, sorry, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. And then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes, do you see how it was, first of all, the invite list, and then it was the town, and then it was out beyond the town to the roads and the country lanes? He's expanding the perspective of the servant over and over again. Go out in the country lanes, and here's the word, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of the banquet. You know what he's saying to the servant? He's saying to the servant, nobody knows the party better than you. You know what's going you know to happen. You know how much fun we're going to have. You know the food. You know the dancing. Nobody knows the joy of this party and this life more than you. Go out, and there's that word, compel them. The word is literally, uh, it's not quite like force them, but be so powerful with them that they want to join you. Compel them to come in. And I think Jesus is saying, Listen, whatever your view is of everyone is probably too narrow. Jesus is, Jesus is a master of, of the understanding that we are sent and that we are to reach and invite everyone to be a part of what God is doing. Okay, so one more scripture, and I don't have time to read this whole one, but I'll put it right there for you. From, um, from Luke chapter 8, 
You remember this parable? I don't have time to read it to you, but a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered his seed, do you remember this? There's, there's, uh, there's seed, the, the farmer's going to scatter his seed everywhere, and it lands on four different types of soil. You remember this? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying you to hold, get, get you to hold on to two stories from Jesus and one, one encouragement from Paul and think to ourselves about how we are living the invitation of life. Well, Jesus told this parable about a farmer that goes out and he scatters his seed, and as they scatter his seed, it falls on four different types of soil. Now, we've studied that scripture before. Those four different types of soil are different types of conditions of the human heart. And as the seed lands, sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's, it's shallow, right? But then there's rocky, but then there's the good soil, and the seed lands on it. I brought with me some, uh, some seed this morning. And I want, I want to give you a picture of this parable of Jesus, because remember, what was Jesus? Jesus was an invitational master. He understood sentness. He understood how we are to go to share our story so that they might hear what happens if they believe. And if they believe, what happens if they call in the name of the Lord? Guess what? They get to go. And they get sent, right, to share their story. And this is how it works. Jesus is telling this story about these seeds. And notice the word that grabbed me, the word scatter, all right? Scatter. Brought me some seed this morning. Scatter. Scatter. He says the farmer went out to sow his seed, and he went out scattering his seed. All right? He went out scattering seed. Now, here's an interesting thought. If, it, if we're really going to live the invitation of life, it doesn't mean getting your little seed and going, okay, watch this. Going over, planting it in the little hole that's there, you know, watering it, hoping that one works. That's not what Jesus is teaching, okay? Jesus is teaching to live the invitational life. means you scatter seed. You live it all day long. Who? Everyone. Everyone. Don't worry about your little narrow view of of this person. No, just scatter it, all right? Just scatter it. Scatter the seed. Now, here's another thought process. Why sometimes don't we scatter the seed? Why don't we just throw the seed out wherever we can? Why don't we just throw the seed out? You know one of the reasons? We think we're going to run out of seed. Can I just tell you ahead of time, you ain't going to run out of seed. We've got to keep scattering seed. All right, so for the next few minutes, what I want to talk to you about is how we do that. All right? How can we scatter seed? You got your outline there in front of you? I'm going to teach you a little phrase that I learned a little while ago that I, I have memorized so easy to memorize, so easy to hold on to as you're sitting there at Starbucks, or you're sitting there in your classroom, walking down your hallway. And here's the deal. I want you to read it out loud, and I want you to commit to memory this morning because it's super simple, all right? So say it with me. I'll, I'll, I'll say it for you first, then you can say it after me. Look for the good. Look for the need. Invite someone to come and see. Hey, with me real quickly, full voice. Why don't you say that with me? Look for the good, look for the need, invite someone to come and see. Let me break that apart for you for a minute. You know what I figured out? I figured out that Christ followers, a lot of times, are not always looking for the good in the world around them. By the way, I was one. I would would go into a place, any place that God would lead me into, and I was always kind of looking for the, the bad. Oh, I'm a minister, you know? What's happening bad here that I can address, right? How crazy is that? You know what I had to realize? I had to realize that my gospel that I was thinking about 
And the way I was operating actually started in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall of man. It didn't start in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 said God made the world we live in, and it was good. Hey, can I just think, can I get you to think with me for just a minute? What would happen if Christians went everywhere looking for good? And when they saw good, they pointed out the good, they looked for the good, and they said, look at that. That's good. What would happen? Guys, I think there's good stuff going on around us all the time. And I think God's calling for Christians to look for the good, see the good, point to the good, and then talk about it. You know, we live in a mean world. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's a world a lot of times filled with cynics, a lot of times filled with jaded people. Christians are supposed to be the light. We're supposed to be the people who are saying, look, that's God right there. Look over there. That's God right over there. We're supposed to be the people who are casting seed all the time. And I want to tell you, how can, how can I do that, Stephen? Listen, you can do that in a classroom. You can do that in your workplace. It means being the person who's not the, the negative Eeyore person all the time. It means the being the person that ain't always saying, oh, things are so bad. Have you seen what so-and-so did? No, it means looking for the good and realizing that God's given you seed. And God just wants you to notice the good, see the good, point out to the good. Recently, I was talking with a young man. We were actually standing in the middle of a grocery store. And as I was talking with that young man, we just started talking about his work. Man, his work was good. I said, you know what? I bet you've had work that was bad before, but right now work's good for you, isn't it? Yeah. I said, you know what I realize? I said, I realize that nothing happens by chance. That's from God. God's blessing your work. Have you thought to give him thanks for that? You know, when you just take a moment to notice the good, isn't that an easy thing to do if you just open your eyes? To notice the good, all you got to do is cast a little seed in that spot. And point to the author of all that's good. Do you know the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God? Did you hear what I just said? When I first read that as a young Christian, I said, really? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. What would it mean for you this week to go into your workplace, go into your neighborhood, and just look for the good? Look for the good. Point out the good, and then point to the one who gives good gifts, perfect gifts, because he's the only one who does that. Look for the good. What's that next one? Say it out loud. Look for the need. Look for the need. You know, we live in a world all the time that's hurting and needing. And this, this past week, I'll give you a good example. I, I knew of a young man, and he's actually out here in the lobby of the church right here. He came to church. I didn't even know he was in church. He sat over in this section. We got a couple of burned out lights over here. If y'all notice how dark it is over here, we got to get some lights over here. I, I can't even hardly see y'all over there. But he sat over here in the dark. I didn't even know he was in church. He came up to me after church and he said, uh, Pastor Stephen, he said, uh, I'd, I'd like to go to lunch with you. I said, Let's do that. We're planning a lunch moment to go out together. And then he began to point to why you needed a little bit of time with me. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed that eyes don't lie. If you're working with somebody who's going through a hard time, all you got to really look for is their eyes. Some people's eyes, they look tired. Some people's eyes look like they're just worn out. 
And what I think God's calling me and you to do is look for the need. You know, I said, man, you look like you've had a hard, hard time. He began to tell me about this past year, roughest year of his whole life. I said, you know what? Nineteen ninety was that year for me when I lost my daddy. We just began to talk about our need together. You know, you just look for the need, and then you begin to talk about the one who can meet the need. And you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how God would join you. Because you know what? Long before we ever try to be invitational in our lives, we serve an invitational God who's so ready for us to reach out to others and point the way. You know, he joined me in that lobby. And that young man, his eyes, they already looked like they were hurting eyes. His eyes filled up with tears, and he began to cry in the lobby. And I said, you know what? Me and you, we're going to get us some time together. I just want to encourage you. I just want you to know God's got your mind. He knows all about you. He's got, he's got your interests in mind. Look for the good. What would happen if every Christian, everywhere they went, looked for the good and pointed it out, looked for the need, and said, you know what? What's happening in your life right now? Just took time to cast a little seed in somebody's life where they're hurting. And here's the next part. Invite someone to come and see. Why don't you think about that for a minute? Invite someone to come and see. I think that's the heart of what it means to live the invitational life. Hey, come over here and check this out. Come look at what God's doing in my life. Come look at what God's doing in my church. Invite someone to come and see. Did you know those words, come and see, are from the Gospel of John? I don't know if you've ever read the Gospel of John, but John says over and over again, come, come and see. Even if the disciples went out uh, loving on other people, they would say, come, come and see this man who when he talks, he'll make your ears burn and make your life come alive. Come and see. And what I want to tell you is I think it's a high, high time for Christians to be saying to other people, hey, come on, come with me, come and see. What would it look like for you in your life to say, hey, come with me, come on, come and see with me? Maybe that would be about this one. Come with me, let's go to the movies. Come with me. I'll pay for your ticket. Come on, come and see. You never know what God could do through a little movie. What would it look like for you to say, come and see? Why don't you come to church with me on Wednesday night? We're going to study God's word around some small group tables. Come on, come and see. What would it look like for you to say, hey, why don't you come to my church? It's a little different. Yes, it is. They got crazy music. They got crazy lights. It's crazy good. You know, what would happen if you, what if you, what happened if you invited people? You know, let me tell you a cool thing. I didn't tell you I was going to talk about this, Chuck. I'm going to talk about it for a minute. Chuck's daughter, Tanya, was radically saved from a heroin addiction. Chuck's been asking me for three months to go with him to a little church over. Not, it's not so little, is it? To a, it's not so big either, quite honestly. A church over in Alabama where they, where they are, it's so, their heart is in recovering addiction in young men's lives and these young ladies' lives. And so this past week, I, I said, all right, Chuck, I'm going to go. You know, I said, so I shut Chuck up. He's been saying, come and go with me. I said, Chuck, let's go. I'm just kidding, Chuck. But he, Chuck said, Chuck said, all right, on, was it Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Instead of Wednesday night this week coming to this church, I went with Chuck on Wednesday night to go to a church over in Alabama. We walked in that place. Let me tell you, <laughs> God was doing some awesome things in some, some 
women and men's lives who've been radically freed from addiction. And you know what I saw? Listen, when you really know what you've been freed of, when you really have been freed from something that has been stealing your life away, listen, when worship happens, you show up for worship. And worship is big because you have a lot to worship God for, right? Well, worship was kicking. That was awesome, right? And then I saw these young people. There's some people graduating. They finished a year of study, you know. And they were talking about how they're going to go out. Watch this. How they're going to go out and spread the word. How they're going to go out and tell other people how they can be free. Woo, it's a good church, right? Can I tell you one of the coolest things to me? One of the coolest things to me was not the church. It was not the people. It was not the worship. One of the coolest things for me was riding for an hour and a half with Chuck in a truck. And having Chuck tell me about how awesome this place was going to be. And how amazingly it had changed his life. And then riding an hour and a half back with him and him saying, let me tell you, God's totally transformed my life because of my daughter and her salvation and her freeing from heroin. Man, I was thinking the whole time, what if every Christian was like Chuck? What if every Christian was saying, hey, come, come, go with me. Just scatter and seed. And not these little narrow, okay, I might invite you. I'm a little afraid to invite you. But I'll invite you. What if every Christian was saying, hey, man, let me just tell you what God's done for me. What if we just everywhere we went, listen, listen, we looked for the good, we pointed it out, and then we pointed to the God who was doing good things. And then we looked for the needs, look in their eyes, and we talked about a God who meets needs. And what if we together just scattered seed, inviting everyone, come and see, come and see. Listen, hallelujah. Couple of truths real quick. Listen, church. Listen, church. Is your seeds, the way you plant seeds, is it just for people who look like you? Is it just for one person or two people? Here's what I want to tell you. Everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. You want to hear the good news in Jesus Christ? You ain't going to run out of seed. You will not run out of seed. Don't be stingy with it. You know, I'm going to pray this morning, and I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to come up here and get some invitations. I hope we run out. We'll have them back next week. Right up here again, all right? But I want to invite you to come and pick up some invitations and scatter some seed this week. But before I pray this morning, I just want to tell you, if you're a person who's kind of kicked the tires of Christianity, you're a person who's thought, well, maybe one day, but I can't quite, can't, I'm scared to give my life to Jesus. What, what, what might he do with it? And I, I want to be totally in or whatever. Listen, you're in church this morning to hear about a God who not only loves you and left heaven to come to the earth because he loves you, but here's the cool thing. You're sitting in a room with people who are sinners saved by grace. He has washed us clean. 
He has removed the bondage of the sin and slavery and death curse that was over our lives. And here's what's, what's even cooler. Now he's promised us eternal life in heaven and he has put us on mission with him to set other people free. And you're in church today because, listen, the Bible says he loves you. He knows every day of your life and he knows you'd be in church today. I hope you hear the sweet whisper of a God who would die for you. And if today you might be sitting in church saying, God, I kicked the tires long enough. Today's my day. Today's my day. I invite you just to close with a little prayer as we pray about the other people, the every ones we're going to invite, and invite the most important one into your heart. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for your love and your grace, and I thank you that you want to rescue us from all of our sin, all of our evil, all of our wickedness, but Lord, more than that, all of our own missteps, our own misgivings, and how we wreck our own selves. And Lord, if there's one here today, or two or three here today who would say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of standing on the edge. I want to die fully in today. I give you my life. The most I know, best I know how, I trust you. I trust you. I believe that you came for me. I give you my heart today, Jesus. Would you rush in? Would you wipe away and cleanse all the dark stuff in me? Would you put me on your on, on path to be on mission and ministry for you? Would you promise me and give to me eternal life in heaven? Today, I trust you for that. Today, I cross over the line. And today, I call myself a Christ follower. I will follow you for the rest of the days of my life, and I will give you my life, Jesus. And Lord, for every Christ follower in this place today, I pray you'd hear, you'd let us hear that call from you. It's a call to a sent life. How will they ever call on him if they don't hear? And how will they ever believe if they don't hear our story? How will they ever become preachers and scatterers of seed if we don't go? So I pray, Lord, today you give us spaces and spaces. But, Lord, I pray even more than that. I pray you give us boldness to go into our workplaces, to go into our places and our subdivisions, to go into places where we work and play, and to cast seed to anybody and everyone so that they may call on the name of the Lord. I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Church, can you say amen? Amen. That means so be it. Amen. I just got to tell you, there is, this, there is this feeling that I just want to take this whole thing and just scatter it. Well, I'm not going to do that. Hey, this morning, as we close down our time, before I give a benediction, okay, I'm going to give a benediction in just a minute. We're all going to head out of this place. Before I do that, I'm just going to ask Jody to play, and I want to invite you. Come up here. Maybe grab a series card. Maybe grab an invitation to coffee. Maybe grab a movie invite. Maybe grab a fall fest invite. Get something in your hand this week. Go out and scatter. Hey, come on. Come get it.
love about this church. Every time you receive a challenge, you respond. And, and I just want to go ahead and say, hey, we ran out of invitations this morning. That's all right. We'll have them back next week. Invite you to come back next week. Maybe you come early. Get here early. <laughs> Grab them off the front of the platform early. Now listen, if you got one of those invitations in your hand, I want you to think about two things with me, and then I'm going to give you a benediction, all right? If you invite somebody, listen. If you invite somebody and they reject that invitation, don't worry about that. That ain't your job. <laughs> if you invite somebody and they give you an excuse, I can't come because I got this and that and this. Hey, go back to the story of Jesus. Don't worry about that. Just keep expanding your, your view of everybody, all right? Everyone. It ain't our job to worry about who rejects the seed we plant. It ain't our job to worry about who gives us an excuse for the seed we plant. You know what our job is? Scatter. Just stand with me. I'm going to pray for us this week, and I'm going to pray for our chili luncheon. I invite you to hang out. It's always good when God's people get to eat together, and we get to support our student ministry today and the renovation they're doing on that back pal- that, ha- that house on the property back there, the youth lodge. So bow your heads with me, and let's pray that God would be with us as we eat, as we fellowship, and as we go to plant seeds this week. God, we thank you for who you are. And we pray, Lord, your blessings over the table, uh, eating lunches that we're going to have now, the chili that's been prepared for us. Would you bless our time of fellowship? And, Lord, as we give to the student ministry, we just pray, Lord, that you are preparing that house to be a place of ministry. Help us to give generously, Lord, so that we can get that thing renovated and get our youth in there so they can have their own space. And, Lord, I pray for every person here this week that when by faith they scatter seed, when they, when they look for good, when they look for need, when they invite someone to come and see, I just pray, God, that you let that seed fall, let that seed fall, and let it produce fruit, fruit that lasts. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Go with us. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Harvest Point. Have a great week.